welcome back to the Coffee and Converse podcast, where the best conversations with artists, entrepreneurs, and everyone in between happen over coffee. I'm your host, Alyssa, and I'm so excited because March is Women's History Month, as well as International Women's Day, which literally just happened yesterday on March 8th. We are celebrating women all month long by highlighting and having convos with incredible and inspiring women in our community every single week, and we just released our first film, The Empowerment Project, on all platforms, including IGTV, YouTube, Facebook, and on our website. So join in on the conversation and share what your power is or highlight a powerful woman in your life and use the hashtag Fempowerment Project so we can continue to celebrate women all month long and share it on Coffee and Convos as well. In today's episode, we're chatting with Vanessa Miranda, community builder and advocate for women in STEM. We chat about the future in tech and how important it is to be intentional with your social media use. We also chat about how we can be conscious consumers by shopping small and local, especially when it comes to supporting women-owned and women-of-color-owned businesses. We also have an engaging conversation on challenging the spaces we're in so we can continue to support diversity and include representation across all the boards. Grab your coffee or your favorite way to keep yourself fueled for the day. And let's get this conversation started. Hello, Vanessa. I'm hey. so excited for you to be here. We are actually re-recording. <laughs> we blame Mercury retrograde, but it's know. that time of the phase of the moon, I guess, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, delete that out. They don't, they're like, this girl does not know astrology. <laughs> All we know is that we're both Virgos, and so you know, today is going to be a really great episode. Yes. And I'm really excited to dive in about all of the things, especially with STEM, women in STEM, diversity, and yeah. Awesome. I'm super happy to be here and equally honored. Uh, Thank you for having me. Of course. So typically we dive in with you sharing your story. So I'd love to just hear it all. <laughs> yes. So um, as you mentioned, my name is Vanessa and I am a Los Angeles native. I've been living in San Diego now for about five years. <laughs> Prior to moving to San Diego, I was working in corporate finance and that sounds as fun as you know it can be. And um, prior to that, my journey really started working in art and this different things. Um, Now I work in STEM and it wasn't until I moved to San Diego about five years ago that I really started to become more familiar with what working in tech was like. I was working at an IT firm that's based in San Diego and we supported so many clients nationally and it was really interesting to learn about their, you know, their IT infrastructure, the cybersecurity things that they did within their organizations and being in that space really kind of highlighted that, wow, I'm the only woman that works in our West Coast office and then as I started to go to networking events and just really tried to immerse myself um, in this whole tech ecosystem, I noticed that like, wow, there's a lot of tech white dudes here, you know, and it was really, you know, the last five years, I want to say, has been really a journey of me trying to figure out, you know, what it means to be a woman in STEM, how I can contribute meaningfully and how I can, you know, promote others that look like me and don't look like me into positions of powers within, you know, these organizations that are still, you know, highly not diverse mm-hmm. still. Yeah, I love that. So explain to me and those who may not know what STEM is and how you could empower yourself. Yeah. So STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, you know, a fun fact that I was actually thinking about in our last recording that I didn't share, especially since this is such a San Diego-based um, podcast, is that UCSD graduates the most STEM women in all of the United States. And it's just so interesting that we have all these, you know, powerful, smart, brilliant women in STEM, but they're not getting into the workforce. Like, those numbers don't make sense. You know, how is X amount of women hiring are graduating in STEM and we're not seeing those, like, same women at various companies. So 
how to empower yourself in STEM, I guess, would be to, you know, find allies in your space, definitely do a lot of research on the companies that you want to work for. I hear this a lot with people that are engineers um, in my space that they'll work for, you know, the Googles, the Facebooks, Apples, and then like get their few years in and then go work for a company that's more diverse because that just gives them like the resume builder, which we all need. And then they can take that into their either their own company or into, you know, whatever company that is diverse for them. So it's really interesting um, to see that. And I guess just really develop yourself as like a leader, you know, do a lot of emotional intelligence work, um, try to keep up to date on like what's going on, what tech trends are. I listen to a lot of podcasts in that regard. And I also follow a lot of people on Instagram, on Twitter that are highly intelligent. I would say even more immersed in the tech space than I am. I was working as an IT project manager. So I was supporting these engineers and I just felt like, what in the world are they talking about? So I'd be constantly Googling or checking or asking. And it really took for me to become comfortable not knowing and like, okay with like, hey, this isn't your background. This mm. You don't know it all. And then just asking questions. So I feel like STEM can sound a little bit scary to people because they're like, what is that? But we're millennials and we're all highly technical, even to see how the Gen Z uses, you know, their like their online habits and like how they consume digital media and different things. Like it's crazy. It's bizarre to me that, you know, my little brother was like Gmailing, using Gmail in like fifth grade and stuff. So this next generation (laughs) that's coming in is like more technical than we are. And they're probably going to create you know, the next Google or the next Apple or whatever. That's so crazy. Yeah. I love that. Um, I know, gosh, I'm like trying to recall all the things we talked about on our last recording. <laughs> but one thing that I liked that you touched on was like the future. Mm-hmm. And that's something we didn't talk about yet. So I'd love to chat about what the future in technology looks like. And I know you may not know all the answers, but yeah. at least to kind of prepare ourselves because – oh my gosh, we're all so like heavily tech-based. Like we literally carry a computer in our pockets through our iPhones or smartphones. And like to just know that I have so many pieces of tech on me at all times, mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting because I never really consider myself to be like... Like techie? Yeah. yeah. But like I have these because like I use it for work. I use it to communicate. I use it to obviously like talk to clients and things. And... Something that Ian and I talk about pretty often is how we're the last generation that knows what it what it's like to live. Oh my God, yes! Right before like the tech boom kind of happened. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> I uh, went to a conference recently. And I told these young girls um, how the internet used to work, which is so funny because I'm 30 and these girls are like you know, in middle school. And I'm like, yeah, we used to have to, you know, plug the ethernet cable and like plug it into the computer. And I thought I was so slick. And then my mom would be like, you're on the internet. I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, yeah, the phone doesn't work because I know that you're on the internet. So it's just funny to, of course, see all that, all the way it's changed. I feel like what we talked about before, you know, recording was deleted. It was just kind of how we have to be mindful of the products that are created because we're using them and consuming them. And if there's not people that look like us creating these products, I feel like the future of tech will be scary because these products will be made with like unconscious bias or, you know, obvious bias, like conscious bias because they're being created by a specific type of person that maybe has a privileged background or not or whatever, but definitely not being made with everyone's, you know, nuances in mind, I would say. Yeah. Um, I think it's so interesting because like you bring up the whole ethernet thing and like the dial up phase of like internet and like that's not even a thing anymore. There's like 5G, which sounds like so scary to me. Um, And there's all of these like tech advancements and like now that like TikTok's out and like all of these like other social media things coming out. I feel so old and it's like, I'm 29 and I'm turning 30. I'm like, Oh my God, is this? Oh, we both are turning 30 this year. Nice. And, um, it's just like really interesting to see like back when I was literally at like 10, 
like nothing like this existed and then here we are like the future generations they're like practically born with it they have like access to these things way before we did back then and it's it's always like thinking about being intentional right Mm -hmm. like not only with um like how we consume all of this stuff but also like how the future generate like how that's going to trickle down to our future generations exactly and um i love to hear more about intentionality on like social media i know that's like one of the last topics we talked about as well so since that's kind of like fresh on our minds i love to hear how you use social media as a tool Mm -hmm. instead of letting it kind of weigh down on you absolutely i feel that I've gone through this phase and people probably may be in this phase now where you're on social media and like you're buying the cutest glasses, you're buying the purse that everyone has. Like you go through that phase and it doesn't feel good because it's not fulfilling, you know, and that was me maybe a few years ago. And now I just think like if I'm going to use social media and spend an hour or two on it, I want to make sure that I'm learning, I'm connecting with someone, I'm, you know, engaging in like something interesting or like data points or I'm getting inspiration from it so I try to make sure like who I follow are doing you know important things within their communities or within themselves like I love to follow people that have launched companies and they just want the like or they just want the comments and they're trying to build their brand like takes two seconds to like their stuff you know why not help them out in that way I try not to follow anyone that makes me feel bad or like makes me question what I'm doing or what I'm working on and I think those Feelings will always come no matter what. You'll be like, oh, I'm not not doing the most or I should be doing that. And I think if you're following people that are actively bringing that out of you, you should unfollow and figure out like your Instagram can just be for you. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be a brand. And people lose that sight. They want, you know, you don't have to, you know, be selling the latest, greatest thing or show everything that you have or don't have. Like you could just use it for you and have, it should be fun, you know, for you. And if you're not, feeling energized when you're stepping off of Instagram, like you should really rethink like how you're spending that time. So with like Instagram and Twitter, those are the ones that I'm mostly on because Facebook I feel like is, is for old people. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But, um, like Twitter is just so interesting. There's always so many people like literally giving free business advice left and right, or like sharing different diversity and inclusion, you know, initiatives that they're working on or just, really, again, I curate my social medias to only follow that are people that are sharing this stuff. So Mm -hmm. that's the way I try to use my social media time is by being mindful of like, I want to see my friends like doing well. I want to see people that I buy products from doing well. So I want to just see all of it. And again, you know, social media is just like one facet of our life. It's like the prettiest time that we're at brunch doing something and I think people need to remember that all the time because behind the scenes, it's like you're crying about something or you're sending a hundred emails trying to like do one other thing. So I think, you know, if you're struggling and you're behind the phone, that person that just posted out the photo is probably going through something similar, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's important to like bring that human aspect back to it, human aspect back to it. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I love that you mentioned that because it's so true that um, you're your social media can only just like could just be for you that you don't have to curate to be a brand Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone kind of felt that pressure like maybe two three years ago where it's just like oh my gosh like everyone's posting the prettiest pics like I haven't posted anything in a few days I have to go to this restaurant too and go use that same backdrop order the same thing and like like you said buy the same glasses or like play the part of like feeding into this like social media consumerism Mm -hmm. really And that's crazy to me because it's just like, again, like when we were talking about um, conscious consumerism, both like online and offline, like purchasing like products that aren't fast fashion or, you know, purchasing products from people of color owned Mm -hmm. businesses and even like local coffee shops versus Starbucks, like whatever that looks like, it's different for everyone, right? Because our lifestyles are so different, but I feel like I myself have finally taken the time to like kind of weed out all the bullshit Mm -hmm. especially on social media in the last year because being running our own business within the first year it was really interesting to see like who supported us and who didn't you know what I'm saying and it was just like okay like they like you just see those people fall to the wayside as you start like thriving yourself or you start like entering this new realm 
and like I never pictured myself to be a producer. I never pictured myself to be this person who owned mm -hmm. this business with my partner. So it was just really interesting how people online who like followed us and like who we told the news to were receptive to what we were doing because yeah. you see that yeah, social media does show the highlight reel, but it also like brings out like the truth of like the people around you. Absolutely. Um and I really had to do some like unfollowing and like some purging and shit. Like not just like all my old things that I still had from high yeah. school. Digital detox. Mm -hmm. A digital detox, exactly. Yeah. That's important. A lot of people fake the funk, you know, really when it comes down to it, it's like we were talking about this offline. It's like who you support online, how do they support others? And like are their communities or their or their products or whatever serving like a greater good. Obviously your product doesn't have to like be something that's like creating something great. You know, you can just have a product to sell or, or whatever the case may be, but how, what are the core values of that person? And like, mm -hmm. I want to feed into someone that has great core values or their community, you know, empowers them or supports them. And I feel like you can see that through social media. Sometimes I'll see people and I'm like, this looks so fake. And then I meet them in person. I'm like, this is so fake, you mm -hmm. know? And I'll just quietly back down because I don't need to be the person to like call them out. But I just think, you know, we all share things that are not like wrong, like scammers. Like, hey, this person's a scammer. Don't hang out with them. And I feel like within this space of like women empowerment or digital creators, like it just no one just says anything. We just turn another eye, which I feel like we need to be more vocal about it to an mm -hmm. extent. Like, hey, this was my experience. I want you to like do your own assessment, you know, but just be mindful of like this kind of not like kind of shitty behavior, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that you bring that up too, because I know we were talking about, I'm like, I wish we'd just save. I okay. know. It was so it's good. Fine. FYI. It such a good <laughs> combo. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about, um, I love that you t bring up the women empowerment space because mm -hmm. in particular, at least in my experience, there's always been like, I haven't I feel like I'm like slowly diving into that space because of course I fucking support women and I want of to course. see other women thrive. But in my experience, the events that I have gone to in the past just didn't align with what I had expected mm -hmm. the event to be like, even though it was like marketed a certain way. Um, it was just more so like for the Instagram, you see like these beautifully curated like pockets of like where I could take photos of and whatnot course. but I'm like yo I'm not here to fucking take photos of pretty things and share it on my feed I'm here to like learn some actionable stuff about how could, I could like up level my business and myself exactly. and um there's just some events or some people who may like miss the mark on that and it's really unfortunate because like people charge a high ticket price for these things of course and it's just like I hate seeing like you know like damn, like this person walked away is this much and like I didn't leave with anything. Exactly. Um, and I had to like, I had to share a similar experience of like, because my friends are like, wow, it looks so good. And I'm like, yeah, but let me tell you like how I felt about mm -hmm. it because I have to be completely honest with you and just share with you like how I walked away feeling from it because mm -hmm. I didn't just kind of the same thing like you mentioned about social media. If you don't feel like confident or like, like, hey, I left, like, feeling really good. Like, I learned something. I could take something away from this. I got to connect with somebody new. I didn't feel any of that. Yeah. And it was just kind of like a cringeworthy moment or it was just like, who, what? <laughs> you know, like, like what a is very, this? What's the purpose? Mm -hmm. What am I getting out of this? Like, how is this building value for yeah. us? There's a lot of fluff out there, dude. There's a lot of fluff, especially in the women empowerment space because right now – it's trendy, mm. you know, like feminism is trendy, like being a woman and leadership and all these things are trendy. That's also why I love Instagram because I see these people aligning themselves as like DNI leaders or like women empowerment leaders. And I'm just thinking like, what's your track record? Like, did you just get an Instagram and now you're like a woman empowerment leader? Mm. How? Like, how are you doing that? So I always like encourage people to like question and challenge these spaces because if you're going to this event or space or workshop and it's like all white women, then where's the diversity? You know what I mean? And if everyone in attendance looks a certain like one way, like how is this, you know, supporting actual diversity? How is it supporting women? You know, we're already underpaid, underfunded, all these different elements. And if we're 
if white women are just holding themselves at one bar and that's what they want to be at, that's okay. But we don't need to like feed into that, Mm -hmm. that space. And like, again, it's just being knowledgeable of like, Hey, that space is not for me. And like, I don't see myself represented at any level as an attendee or as a speaker or anything like that. Even the brands that are there don't, Mm. you know, speak to me. And that's, I've seen that a lot in San Diego, (laughs) you know, which is so interesting. But again, it's like, as women of color, like black women, Latina women, Asian women, like we don't need to wait for these people to give us the spaces. We can create the space for mm. ourselves, you know? So I feel like a lot, and this is also like a lesson to myself in the past, I'd like looked to different people for like leadership or like, this is a sign that I can really make an impact with like this organization. And now I'm slowly learning, like, you don't need anyone to like mm. give you that, like, you got it, girl, go for it. Like you can do it yourself, you know, I like that. I love so, that. And I've only that. learned that through like my experience mm-hmm. working with like different women in tech orgs, women in leadership orgs prior to, you know, supporting two non like two nonprofit chapter launches in San Diego. I would just volunteer at like every women in tech or women in leadership, women in, you know, STEM or all these different things, events from like LA to down to San Diego, just so I can see how are these um, programs put together? Who's putting them together? What do they look like? Who's speaking who decides who speaks here you know and oftentimes they were super valuable and helpful for me to be on the back end and see like how it's run and sometimes Mm. I would see like wow no one's really speaking up about like this being an all-white women panel you know again this isn't my thing so I don't need to be there like challenging that you you have to like pick and choose where you want to where you want to poke the bear you know what Mm -hmm. I mean and oftentimes it's not I don't know. Sometimes it's received well and sometimes it's just kind of like, okay, girl, be quiet. Like this is how we've always Mm, done it and this is how we're going to continue to do it. And again, that's okay because that space is not for me. And that's, you know, a lesson I think people need to learn and just, you know, challenge these people that you're putting on a pedestal because why? Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that we do put so many different people on a pedestal because we don't even hold that high regard to ourselves. And that was something that I'm really pushing towards through like coffee and convos is like I I invite each guest because they individually like own their space. Mm-hmm. And like that's how I see you. I really see you pushing for diversity in the STEM space and San Diego and just like being a woman or just being a person of color because – like I see that and I'm like, damn, I really got to like step up my shit too, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's that like trickle like effect of like what she's doing inspires me and like I want to share these things too. And I think it's like so hard because again, like coming from like just my experience of growth, entrepreneurship, whatever, mm-hmm. um, I'm not familiar with the STEM space. Space and it was always like a again very intimidating, but it was also important because like there's so many different factors that kind of pun intended stem from that. Yeah, just yeah. like women empowerment, um, the importance of like working with people of color, and I think like I don't even know what I'm saying. What am I saying? <laughs> well, I mean, I totally I can totally agree with you because again, it's like. How do I support people from all different backgrounds Mm -hmm. if I'm not, like, actually there doing the work? You know, like, I supported a Black Syntag hackathon. I went and volunteered because, again, like, I have no idea what, like, those struggles are. And I can read about it and I can learn, you know, different methods. But, like, the best thing to do is really get in there and do the work, you know. Mm -hmm. I like to volunteer my time with, like, various organizations that look nothing like me because that's really where I'm going to learn like, hey, this is what this person struggle. And what I could do is bring that back to whatever leadership table I'm at and say like, no, actually that's not okay because this is what I learned firsthand here. This is what I experienced, you know. And I think a lot of that is missing in a lot of these like empowerment spaces or things like that. They're great and we should be supporting one another and I want everyone to be successful. But I don't think that just because you're a woman, I need to support you if like you're problematic or if you're not doing the work, you mm. know, and I think that's really important that sure we should, you know, support one another as much as possible. But again, challenge and question these things people are putting out there, you know, and if you think 
this doesn't affect you because like you're in a safe place. Like eventually it will, you know, one way or another, it will affect you or someone you love. And I think that's more important. It doesn't matter. I feel fine and safe and I probably have a little bit of privilege because I'm a lighter skinned Latina, like Latinx person. But does that, because I'm chill, am I not going to like open the door for other people? Mm. You know, I think that's really important. Wow. I love that you mentioned that. Especially because you being a light-skinned Latina, mm-hmm. me being a light-skinned Filipina, like it's it's interesting how people perceive you. Yeah. Um, and us talking about this topic in our last recording about how growing up we were in spaces where we wanted to be white. Exactly. And like I share this story because like in previous podcast episodes, but – Growing up, I was, like, never – I was always, like, the odd one out because, like, I also went to, like, seven different schools. Yeah. And, Can relate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just, like, very hard to, like, find my peers. But weirdly enough, they were all white because, mm-hmm. like, I was that light-skinned Filipina girl. And they were like, oh, you're cool. And then, like, I would always be, like, that token Asian or mm-hmm. whatever it was, even though I would see, like, groups of Filipinos or groups of, like, people of color. It wasn't until maybe, like, high school that I – like middle school, high school that I was like, oh, I found my people, you know, and like I was surrounded by those people. And I experienced it again when I went to college because going to state, like you get like a huge diverse amount of people, yes, but like overwhelmingly enough, like in my classes that I majored in and my electives, like they were mostly white people. Mm -hmm. And so it was just really hard because they'd be like, okay, get into groups, you know, or like there's always like that partner thing. And it's just like, I could not identify with anyone. I'd be like always that weirdo who did not have someone paired (laughs) up. And I'd also have to to be paired up with like another weirdo. And it was just like, it's fine. Like I'm totally cool with that. But it was also like, it was interesting to see how like my experience growing up also translated when I was in college at a later age, because it's just like, these things don't go away. They don't. And that's something that, like, again, experiencing at events that we go to and groups that we want to be a part of, because I feel like for the longest time, too, I put myself in different positions of, like, oh, like, I've heard so many great things about XYZ. I want to be a part of that. That sounds great. But when you're actually a part of it and you're, like, in it, you're, like, this isn't it. Like, this is not what I envisioned. They're not actually doing what I imagined that they were doing. Like, I don't want to say any names because, like, yeah. that's not cool. But, no, like, I you agree. know. Yeah. Um, I think there's, again, like, there just needs to be, like you said, more representation across exactly. all the boards. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. And it's really interesting because I feel like at a certain level, like, whiteness or, like, to be close to whiteness is, like, considered successful, mm. which is, like – a really odd thing to think about. You know, I remember when I was younger, people would say like, oh, you're Mexican, but like you look white. And I thought that was a compliment. And now I'm like, that is so offensive that like, what does that mean? Because Mexicans, Asians, you know, they look so different, like so, so different. So I just like always think about that now. And I think we talked about this in the last podcast, like how sad it was for us to grow up and wanting to be a different version of ourselves. But because media was literally shoving this idea of like Eurocentric beauty standards down our throat that we we didn't even have the option to see an Asian woman that wasn't in a stereotypical role or Mm -hmm. a Latinx woman in a stereotypical role, you know, and it's like you kind of have this internalized racism or hatred towards yourself. And it isn't until you're more aware of that and more adult and you're trying to break down those stereotypes that you already have within yourself and then others. And I just think it's really, you know, another great thing about social media is like, I want these young women to grow up and know that like, I can grow up being 100% me because there's Mm -hmm. so many women, you know, on Instagram and Twitter and this in their space, like really thriving and owning their culture and who they are, which I think is important, which I think I missed the mark on when I was in high school. Cause I was just like, not even I was trying to be everything else you know but Mm. myself you know already you have so many angsty things when you're a teenager but I'm like I want to be in Laguna Beach like I want that life like why don't I you know what I mean totally so again it's like again seeing I like grew my parents are from Mexico you know I grew up here and I had this time where it's like I love everything about being Mexican and then I had this time where like I hated everything about being Mexican and not really you know I'm not that Mexican or I'm not that American, Mm. like this really weird 
kind of thing that I feel like maybe sometimes first generation kids go through or not. And then it was like re-falling in love with my culture and everything beautiful about like what it is to be yourself and like what it is to be like from a, you know, an immigrant background, especially your parents. And I was fortunate to go to high school that was pretty diverse. Like my best friends are Korean. My best friend's Russian. My other best friend is like Mexican. So we all have these like very like rich cultures that we come from and again I think that's so interesting and I feel like that's part of the foundation why like I really stress for like diversity and equality because I see it affect like not only people that I work with or things but like actual families you know Mm -hmm. like we cannot be getting paid 54 cents to like a man's dollar that's Mm. bizarre and I always think like I always add like times my, you know, my salary by that. And I'm like, wow, like, does this affect me? Does it really affect me? Yes or no? Like, if you think it doesn't affect you, like, you're lying to yourself because the data is there. Like, the data is literally there. And Mm -hmm. it's created by, you know, world-renowned research organizations. So, like, they have nothing to win by saying, like, oh, this is here or there. You know what I mean? Girl, I was just like, preach. Literally, (laughs) I love everything you said because, again, it's just being represented in this space, like, no matter what space you're in, especially, like, being a woman, a woman of color, and experiencing so many different things. (laughs) I just see the door open. (laughs) Um, I love that you brought up the whole spectrum of, like, being – being light is in the closer you are to like the color white or like being white as like a person of color. It is interesting because growing up, I would always get the comment because in the Philippines, like literally you could be a bajillion different shades of brown of course, and you could be beautiful. But, um, I remember, so most of my family, they're darker skinned mm-hmm. and they would use papaya soap and papaya soap is a whitening soap. Yeah. So it would lighten your skin and then even though like it would like there'd be blotches of like patches of different colors they didn't care because they wanted to be whiter and lighter Mm -hmm. and I remember growing up my parents my parents and not like my other relatives whenever they would see me would be like oh my gosh if you go to the Philippines you're gonna be so famous because you're light-skinned and like I I always felt uncomfortable with that sentiment because I was just like, I know you're trying to compliment me, yeah. but it always felt wrong. Absolutely. And like, it wasn't until recently when I was finally like, holy shit, like, it this makes is sense. really wrong, exactly. you know? And it, it really like saddens me that like my family feels that way. Like some of my family feels like they need to lighten their skin to feel accepted in the society or that they like to feel confident about themselves. They have to change their skin color. And like going back to like, you know, dyeing my hair Mm -hmm. and like adding blonde highlights or getting a balayage or whatever. Like I love it and it looks great. But like I I knew that I was hiding something, a part of my identity. And that Mm -hmm. was actually something I was telling Ian about. And like, I don't really talk much about because it's, it's hard for me to kind of accept that I didn't accept my identity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. 100%. Because um, I was just like, dude, I'm fucking Filipino. People don't see me as that. People think I'm Mestiza or I'm like mixed with like Spanish or Mexican. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, And again, yeah. like the Spaniards colonized your country yeah. and mine. So it's like we all look so different. We didn't even mm-hmm. have the option to like be from, you know, a particular type because like – the Europeans and the Spaniards went everywhere and just like raped and pillaged everything, you know, and unfortunately we're all byproducts of it. So like there's no one way that Filipinos look like or mm-hmm. Mexicans look like or Latinos in general because they never – the people that were originally there are barely there now. Same with the United States, you know, like exactly. no one's American. They all came here from somewhere exactly. else. And it's just like <laughs> unless you're a Native American, sure, but like – uh, actual Americans in power doing everything they can to like, you know, get rid of them still. Like there's still mass genocides going on in mm-hmm. different ways or different forms and it's it's depressing. So I think now more than ever, especially with like this current political climate, it's like we really have to own who we are and like how special that is. And we don't have to be these like brilliant scientists or people of power. Like we can just be ourselves and that's powerful and that's that's enough really, you know. I love that so much. <laughs> I think it is really hard for people to know like what that looks like for themselves though. So Mm -hmm. I would love to ask you like, how did you fully 
embrace that? And how did you step Mm. into your power? That is such a good question. I feel um, that I was creating so many obstacles for myself. Like, oh, I can't be successful because of this. Or like, I can't thrive in this space because I'm not a white man. Or, you know, I was just creating these obstacles internally until I realized like, wait, I know stuff that you guys don't know because we have different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. How do I use that to my advantage? How do I use my femininity, my knowledge, everything to my advantage as opposed to um, seeing that as an obstacle. And I think like in the last, really the last five years has been like a journey of trying to figure out like what are my core strengths? What are my core values? What do I, what kind of leader do I want to be? What kind of leaders do I admire and why Mm. do I admire them? Is it, am I doing this because like this actually fulfills me or am I doing this because I want some kind of social media clout or something like Mm. that and that's where like the line really gets blurred and the second I find myself wanting to do something because like it'll look good I'd take a step back and be like no this how is this really serving me you know and I feel like I've been getting more opportunities or more like mindful people that are equally like ambitious as me or equally doing great things within their communities and that's the kind of like community that I want to attract um Again, we talked about this on the last podcast, like trying to be very Eurocentric in like our beauty standards. And it was really like, I'm never going to be a size zero ever. Like mm. from that low jeans. Remember the low rise <laughs> jeans? Oh my God, girl, yeah. I hated it. Like these <laughs> hips will never fit into low jeans. And it was just like once high waisted jeans came in, I was like, hell yes. So it's really just finding things that make you look good, but feel good inside because if you look good on the outside, no one gives a shit if you're, like, a bad person on the inside. And, like, mm. you can't change that. You can work at it. You could be a bad person and later on be a good person. Like, I believe that. But you need to change, like, everything that you do prior to, like, I don't know, kind of trying to be in any kind of space. It's like a mindset and a practice, right? Yeah. I know that um, Ian and I talk about this all the time because we're so into, like, implementing healthy habits and like why that's important for us, like especially moving forward um, because we both were in this business together and also because like, you know, we want to live life together. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to make sure that we don't take like the standards that we grew up with and bring it into like our future life. Exactly. Because it's just like we've learned what doesn't work for maybe our parents or like what we've seen in the past with our past relationships. And we want to make sure that like we're setting ourselves up for success and happiness and like whatever that looks like for us. It's, it's a simple ass life, but it's like, you know, but it's, um, it is a practice because even when I met Ian like years and years ago, He's going to hate me for saying this, but he was like not, he was not the partner that I have today. Of course. Yeah. He was a fuck boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was just like, it's different because, you know, like now that we've kind of grown up and like we've seen each other grow Mm -hmm. and like individually and together, it's definitely like such an experience. And he, he brings this up in a few of his projects that he talks about, but like you have to be in that mental state. Yeah. Like you can't just be like tomorrow I'm going to be a good person. If you're a shitty person, you like have to work exactly. at it. You have to start by smiling on another person and then smile at two people the next day, you know, and start yeah. engaging in that thing like you you won't be like 100% ready. Yeah. You have to work at no, it. No, definitely. And again, mm. like I feel like I spent so many years hating myself for like I didn't look a certain mm. way. I didn't have a certain thing that it's like I feel like I'm trying to double up, like make up for lost time in a sense, mm. you know. And I think it's so interesting that I don't know. I think this is everywhere. But like I feel like growing in Southern California, you have these like really unrealistic beauty standards, especially growing up in L.A. And now when I look back at like my eating habits or like what I did, I'm like that was a – eating disorder but I didn't Mm. think it was because Mm -hmm. everyone around me was doing it so now I'm trying to like really show people like be comfortable with like where you are what you're doing be active and be healthy but you don't need to like everyone on Instagram that's like a specific beauty look it's fake it honestly is you know and I remember when I was talking with like younger girls 
And they were like, oh, actually my little cousin and her friends. And she's like, oh, like this girl's so pretty. And she's like in high school. And I remember looking at the photo and I'm like, dude, that's like totally face tuned. Like you can see the backgrounds, how they're like curved. And she was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's like in the app. And I had to show her. I'm like, and she was just like, whoa. And I just saw like, oh my God, you're learning something new and you're judging how you look based on this altered mm. image. Like it just made me feel so bad. And I that point I was really mindful of like, I don't want to alter my images. I don't want to like, sure, filters make you look really great. Sometimes that's fine. But like, I don't want to do anything that's like not being really authentic because I might be influencing someone in a really bad way to be like, I want to look like her and she like has these glowing bright teeth. And I'm like, no, I faced them bright or whatever the case may be. And I think, again, if you do that, that's fine. But do it in a way that's like, professional or normal not in the sense where you're like completely altering your image because again mm-hmm. you're like altering yourself and that's not yes. you you know uh, and I love that you bring that up because like not only on social media are you like alternate like altering your image but like you're also your personality there's been so many times where like I want to connect with someone on social media I'm like oh my god like let's meet up or like mm-hmm. I saw you going to that event I love to connect with you there I'll be there too and they're like completely different yeah and like that is so mind-boggling because I'm like how can you be someone online but then be someone completely different in person yeah you know and it's just like I'm always full-on with transparency I show up on social media with no makeup on I don't give a shit like it doesn't matter at the end of the day really you know and it's just like Again, it's a highlight reel. It's all like curated to show like the best parts of your life, which is great. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I will show up with like full makeup and stuff like that on yeah. one day, and then the next day I'd be like, "Yeah, man, I just, I, yeah, I'm gonna put any shit on my face, that, I'm gonna pimple." Like it is so crazy, especially like in this diversity space within technology too. And there's all these people that are like so about diversity and inclusion and they do this and they do that and then like you go on their company website and look at their team and you're like where Mm. like where is what are you talking about how do you support other people in other communities of like your team is all one look you know that doesn't make any sense and even like some people that are seen as leaders online that are in the dni space like or even just in the women in tech space it's like you hear stories about them and like you have those interactions as well and you're like damn it sucks that so many people see this person as like a leader when they really are just trying to like build literally their own self up and again like diversity inclusion you know women empowerment these are all trendy things and when something's trendy people are gonna like absolutely dilute it how it best serves them so I don't know we talked about on this podcast or the last Mm -hmm. podcast where I was like you have to challenge and question everything to an extent to really make sure like This is really about the mission, whatever that may be, because again, you're like putting these people on pedestals and you're like, wow, they're so great. And they're so this, and like, they're just like you and I, they just have a big following, you know? Mm. And that's, that's nothing like at all. And I have this like story. There was this woman that I like was obsessed with, of course, because of all the stuff that she shared online, like super powerful, really great like tips in in the VC world and talked about like how she supported underrepresented communities. And then I noticed her being very like, I'm Latina, I'm POC, which she had never done before because I had been following her, her, her career like a psycho. And like, I was like, that's interesting, but cool, own it. You know what I mean? And just really trying to see her be a leader in these like spaces, like Latinx spaces. And I thought that was so interesting. And when the organization I was working for at the time reached out to her to speak because she was just so like, I will do anything for my people. She like sent us this like quote. She first of all was super rude. Like I asked her like, you know, how can we support you? How can we make this mutually beneficial? Like you're already in San Diego. I'm in San Diego, blah, blah, blah. And she like literally sent us two sentences and was like, oh, talk to my agent, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just took all of that and took it to the agent and they're like, oh, her fee's $10,000. I'm like, okay, cool. Definitely. That's what she's worth. That's important. But at the same time, I'm like, we're a nonprofit and we're literally doing everything that like you say you support you know and like it just seemed like everything aligned and I just couldn't understand why she just wasn't gonna do it like not do it that I'm not entitled to her time but it was just like such a weird blow off you know that's interesting and like I feel like again I've heard multiple people have that interaction with that particular person so I was like oh okay cool it wasn't an isolated thing like we all think this person's faking the funk and if we're all in our spaces kind of curating these programs and events with leaders like it's good to know 
who's actually not about it. So you're not bringing them into a space that's like, mm. you know, what if someone went to the event and they're like, oh, we want to connect with this person. And then she's like, no, I have no time for you. Like, oh. That could really derail people. And like, again, we shouldn't put that much like emphasis on someone. We should, again, find the power within ourselves to like do things. But, you know, sometimes it just goes that way. I totally feel that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I have like that so is, much tech tea. It's so fun. I, like, I wish I could write a burn book, but like I won't because I need to work. <laughs> Speaking of work, I yeah. would love to know what you're working on next because yeah. I know you and I have talked about all the things that you have been up to and like what you've created thus far in the last five years. Definitely. So what does the future for Vanessa look like? It's really funny because I've never wanted to be an entrepreneur and I don't know if people like want to be an entrepreneur and then like they become one or how that works out. But I just feel like I've been building so many like programs and like things for other organizations and now I'm kind of ready to like build it for myself and see what that looks like. So that's going to be really interesting. I'm going to be like tapping into a whole other world because in my past, you know, I've worked for private companies, corporate companies, and it's kind of like, this is the way things go. I've been fortunate to be able to grow in leadership positions within those organizations. But again, I'm just thinking like, I need to get all this information that I have access to and like consolidate it in a way that everyone can have it. Because Mm -hmm. like one of the most Thing, like one of the most beautiful things I hear that makes me feel excited about what I do within women in STEM organizations or programs I put together is that people are always like, I had no idea this existed. And I'm just thinking like, girl, where do you live? There's a hundred of these events all over the world or, or wherever the case may be. So it's just interesting that the way I use social media or the way I consume content is like very specific and someone else that like works at a tech company might not. So it's always interesting to like tap those people that have been working in STEM for 20, 30 years Mm. and they've dealt with like issues that I have will never face because things are much different now, you know? So really what I'm trying to create now is just like a way to get this information faster and better, whatever that means. So we'll see what that looks like. That's so exciting, girl. Yay. On the topic of conscious consumerism, I did want to chat with you because like how do you find these awesome brands that you always talk about and like you always encourage people to support their friends and to like, you know, actually pay their rates or to support other women of color businesses, women-owned businesses, people of color businesses. And I think that's so important, especially just being in this day and age because as much as we consume like digital content, It's also the things that we buy, the people we purchase from. Exactly. I think, like, my personal philosophy is, like, I love to have specific pieces or things that, like, not that many people have because I think it's, like, you know, cute and nice. Not that that's, like, a a thing, you know what I mean? So I always feel like when you're buying from, like, your friends, like, that's so much more meaningful and so much more exciting to, like, have a piece that they made and you're supporting their journey to success, whatever that looks like. So – I always like to see like, oh, are there any black creators that like make this? Are there any Latinx creators that make this? Are there any people of colors that make this? You know, my best friend's Korean, like I was saying. So she'll have like this whole like Rolodex of things that I'm like, I'm not in that space. So it's interesting to be like, hey, do you know anyone that does this? So I can support like Korean people and their stuff because if I'm not in that space, I won't know. And I think a lot of the times people think like, oh, well, I can't find what I find at Forever 21, like within my friend group. And it's like, well, ask people and like, or go online or do different things. So I really like to kind of diversify like how I spend my money and make sure that it's like going somewhere meaningful. Do I spend, you know, money frivolously? Of course, sometimes, but I think the one, the times that you can control it should be really important. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this in the Lost Podcast that I really liked is like, pay your fucking friends, like pay them, stop asking for free stuff, like they own a business, they have stuff. I will always like open a conversation with a friend like, oh, I'm looking for this, like what would the quote look like or different things. And sometimes I can't afford it and that's okay, you know. And I really hate this line like reasonably priced because that could mean so many different things to people. $500 might be reasonably priced, quote unquote, to someone and it might be way too much for other people. Mm-hmm. But you can't say that that price isn't fair. You know, I I loathe the phrase like reasonably priced. I just think it's so silly because that doesn't mean anything. That's your like perception of what price should mean, you know? And I think oftentimes when 
especially with my friends, if I say like, oh, like how much does this cost? I want to buy it or, you know, I just buy it. I don't even tell them. Like I don't even want to go through them because I want them to see like I bought it. There's your website. I don't need to bug you when I'm going to buy something, you know, and I think that's really important. Sometimes they're like, oh, I'll give you a discount or I got you. Or like my friend has this um, higher hemp CBD like company and I was like, oh, I want to buy stuff. Like I'm so excited. And he's like, oh, I'll give you a discount. And I'm like, no, let me pay full price, you know. And it's nice that they offer and like, of course, take it up when you can. But it's more meaningful of like you're actually investing in your friends. Like the way that we can all be successful of like we literally just bought products off each other instead of supporting Amazon because that's not coming back to us, you know. Mm. And I'm sure you guys actually pay taxes and like Amazon doesn't. <laughs> Do I love the convenience of Amazon? Absolutely. Can I find some of the stuff with my friends? Absolutely. So you know, pick and choose where you can support them. I love that. Yeah. That was so good. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, and then like <laughs> collaborating, I guess, would be another one. We talked about this and like I'm not in a space where like I can collaborate my service for another service. It's usually me like getting all the people, you know. Another perfect example is like when I first launched Girls in Tech with like our team, it was so hard. We had no budget. We literally had no money. We're a nonprofit. We're trying to figure out like how we do different stuff. And I remember contacting like Studio Lunice and they had just started and they're like, yeah, we'll take photos for you. We'll be there. And like in exchange, we made sure to like tag them on everything, always like include them, always share their information with everyone else. And finally, when we got to a space where we had money, we like didn't even ask them for like to do free work. Now we're like, okay, we'll pay you, pay the invoice, pay the invoice. So sometimes collaborations are cool because they'll lead to money, but you have to make sure you're working with like people that want to pay you. Because if you do something for free one time, that person's going to be like, oh, they'll always do it for free. And that's, that's really not the case. And I hate when I hear this too. It's like, oh, they're really cheap. You should hire them or like. <gasps> I just think, like, that's mean. Like, don't – like, I don't know. I just feel like it's mean. I like to use inexpensive versus cheap because they're not cheap. Their work isn't cheap. And that's not just you, Lily. That's, like, in general, like, a, a, a statement to everyone. Like, I hate yeah. when people say, oh, their work is cheap. You should hire them. Yeah. Like, let's say it's expensive or, like, I don't know, something, you know. It's weird. That is weird. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> it's just kind of, like, you're placing value on that person and their work. And, yeah, like, and I feel no like you're also trying to like have people take advantage of them in a sense when you say it, like it just doesn't feel like authentic. It feels like kind of snaky or scammy. Yeah, I don't for like sure. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So we're getting close to wrapping up. I did want to talk about like resources for STEM and how people like myself can start like really divulging in like this information because it's. I don't know. I don't like. I don't know yeah. who to follow. I don't know what podcast to listen to. I wouldn't even know where to start. Yeah, you know. And like, I love that you are posting um, other people's posts in STEM because, like, sometimes I'll like look and like see like what they're all about, and sometimes I'll follow even though I don't know what I'm following. Yeah. but you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean. It's just exactly. cool to be like kind of tuned in through you. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, let's follow. Vanessa. <laughs> yeah. It's, I really like listening to like the Wall Street Journal, Journal's tech briefing because it's so interesting. It's just basically like what's going on like in the tech space mm -hmm. at a different level. Even sometimes like so many laws are put into a place that like may or may not affect tech companies or like your data or your privacy or all these things. So I always just like to know like what the hell is going on at that level. Another great podcast is um, Recode Decode with Kara Swisher. And, like, she literally grills these people and she'll have, like, you know, Brad Smith, president of Microsoft, or, like, other powerful people share what is going on in their space and, like, how they're working on it. It's always just really interesting because not all of her interviews go well. So, like, mm. she'll kind of be grilling them. And I think that's important because you never see people at that level get grilled like that. So I just think it's, like, cool um as for like instagram or anything i really like everyone matters my friend lorena started this organization it's basically to increase diversity within tech and she just highlights a lot of women and stem in the past and in the present that are actually like moving and making changes which i think is important um what else again within san diego you have like girls in tech san diego you have latina geek san diego which is like the first and only space for latinas in tech which is like bizarre to me because there's so many Latinx people here, you know, and then there's, um, like women who code, there's like, I mean, there's so many, there's blacks in tech here. There's really a really robust group of like 
women in STEM groups that all collaborate and all support each other. I remember even a time when I was working with girls in tech, we would contact other women in STEM uh, organizations just to make sure that we wouldn't have events on the same day because we wanted people to be able to go to all of them. So San Diego is a great city because they are very collaborative and that's super nice. Like everyone wants to work together and I think everyone here is very meaningful mm -hmm. and we also have such a huge tech hub. Like our San Diego economic like tech hub system is insane and we have Apple coming I think this year or next. Like there's so many brilliant um, companies here and this is like a space that I think is going to be, it's been quietly growing and I think in the next year or two it's going to really make waves of showing itself as like a tech powerhouse. We have like leading biostem companies here in the whole entire world. You know, they come here in, in Boston, but like it's pretty powerful and we have all the, you know, we have everything we need here. We don't need to look outside. I love that you said that because I feel like it not only applies to the tech world, but even the creative world because for the longest time, a lot of artists that I know or musicians that I know or whoever it is, like they always found a reason to leave San Diego because like, what they're looking for isn't here, mm -hmm. but now I feel like people are starting to stay here yeah. and build here, which is great, and just, like, establish themselves, and that was important for us, too, because, you know, being creative here in San Diego is not easy, but also, like, making it work and finding ways to just a part of the community is important to us which is why we also created this space yeah. is so like we could provide this resource um for other creators to rent out for their own shoots or their own projects to host their own workshops or events and also because like we want to give back like Ian was talking about how he wants to teach like adolescent youth like photography and like arts a reason to survive is literally down the street from us and they're like one of my favorite nonprofits because mm -hmm. they provide these programs for kids and it's just like I want to see how we can be involved I want to see how we can keep you know inspiring not just like the people around us mm -hmm. but even like the younger generation to stay here to create out of here and to know that like being here in San Diego is enough and there's so much opportunity if you're willing to work and like just go for it. Absolutely. We talked about this. It's like people always look for outside things to like validate them or they feel like, oh, when I get to this or to that, then I'll have made it. But it's like you are already there. You just have to do the work internally. There's this like, I don't know if it's a meme, but it's something that's like, oh, you know, your ego or your competition's not like other people or different places. It's like yourself, like your ego, your mm -hmm. your procrastination, whatever holds you back. And I think that really is a true statement to like, you can thrive here in San Diego really well if you do the extra work and you put in the time and you make meaningful connections and like you just stay away from the noise and you focus on like what you actually want to do and you connect with companies or organizations or people that are also equally driven and passionate about the same thing. I love that. I love that so much. I have two last questions for you. Okay. The first is if you could give a, a piece of advice to anyone, anyone who is looking to be involved in STEM to research it or even to be an entrepreneur or just like really think outside of the box of like what they have for themselves to own their story, whatever it is, mm -hmm. what would you tell them? I would tell them the best thing for me is I volunteered at so many events, um, like so many work conferences, so many conferences, so many leadership conferences. And I think that was so important because I got to see how these organizations that I aspired to be working out or, or were like, you know, I got to see how they run and you got to really take away on like, what would I do differently? And you see things that go wrong or right. And you're like, how can I fix this later on? So I would really just say volunteer your time because then you become a tool and you learn a lot about yourself and like how you work with others, how others work with you, how you're seen within an organization. And also is like really good LinkedIn, like character building, mm -hmm. you know, it just, it's great for you to spend your weekend or a night volunteering for something that you've never done before because you really learn a lot about, again, yourself and different topics. And as for like getting into women in STEM, really finding out what that means. When I started working in technology, I thought, oh, I want to be a coder. I can't wait to be a software developer until I started doing it. And I thought like, wow, I really have no patience for this. This is really great, but this is not my space until I got more into 
project management and I was like, this is where I want to be. You know, I get to research all these different tools and like softwares and work with the engineers and work with our cybersecurity team. Like that's what I liked. So I feel sometimes tech is seen as like one version of what it can be. But if you're an accountant, you can work at a tech company. If you're a marketer, you can work at a tech company. If you are even a chef, you can work at a tech company, a really nice one too. And like there's, you can do anything that you're doing right now that you like and work within tech or STEM if that's what you, what you see yourself as. That's really, really cool. One last question for you. If you were in my position, you could have a coffee and comments with anyone. Ooh, who would it be? Michelle Obama. Oh, that's such a good <laughs> I answer. I love her. I'm yeah. obsessed. Yeah, Michelle Obama for sure. Oh, that's such a good one. Did you yeah. listen to her recent um, Super Soul Sunday episode? I have Oprah? it. I've been like waiting to like do a facial, like listen yeah. to it. I want to do like a whole thing out it's of so it. It's so good. I was listening to it while I was at the gym and I was just like, yeah girl like I fucking love you it was insane like hearing her because it was like a live convo Mm -hmm. right so like you just hear like the swarm of people cheering her on and that was just like so beautiful alone she is incredible and she like we were talking about what kind of leaders that you envision yourself like I hear her talk and I'm like wow she makes you feel like you're the leader and that's ultimately the kind of leader I want to be I want everyone to feel like we're all the same. We can all do it. You know, you don't have to see someone in a position of power and be like, oh, I can't wait to be like them. Like, you already have it, you know? I love that. That's so beautiful. Thanks. And for those who would like to connect with you, how can they find you? Uh, so um, my social profiles are mostly on Twitter and Instagram, and it's at Miranda, sub the last A for a four, V. So it's M-I-R-A-N-D for V. It's my last name in B. Awesome. That's where they can find me. And LinkedIn, I guess, if, like, you want to be more (laughs) (laughs) career-oriented. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh, we didn't say it was National Wine Day. Oh, yeah. It's National Wine Day, and we're drinking rosé. Clink. Thank you all for tuning in to the Coffee and Convos podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please rate us and leave us a review on the podcast platform you're streaming on. Our team would greatly appreciate it. The Coffee and Convos podcast is produced by Futures Past. And our original theme song is produced by Sounds by DJ.